Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to be able to join you for the program. Here's Jeremiah, God I want to be successful and God says I'm not calling you to be successful, I'm calling you to be faithful. So you've had a good whinge at God, I'm doing my bit, I'm living right, it's not working, that's not fair. So how does God respond? Let's find out how God responded to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 15. Let's join Dr. Corbett now. Father, as we open up your word now and we look at your word, we pray that your Holy Spirit will take the truth of your word and hide me behind it. Oh God, I pray that your word would not only be before me, it would be in me and out of me. And I pray, Lord, that what I have to share today would be because you have gripped my heart with your word. And I pray, Lord, that your word today would grip the hearts of those who are listening to me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn to Jeremiah chapter 15. And we're going to look at the last three verses of Jeremiah chapter 15. This is part 39 in our 200-part series on the book and the prophet Jeremiah. So this is how God responds to complaining. If you're going to complain to God, you may want to take some notes and figure out how to do it properly. So we're, we're now in verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 19. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you and you shall stand, very important word, before me, if you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Hmm. I wonder if God was listening. Jeremiah complains. He says all this. And then God comes and says, Something almost as if he wasn't listening. Let's, have, let's break it down. Let's have a look. This is what God told Jeremiah to do. For what you've just said, you need to repent. Wow. You need to repent. See, I wonder how many of us have this idea that repentance means what you did when you were saved when you were converted to Christianity. Here's God using the word repentance. It's the word return. Repentance is an interesting thing. For many people who had this idea that repentance is meeting God halfway, you know, we, we turn and we come and God kind of meets us halfway. I think that's a wrong picture of what repentance is. And, and for some people, it's this two-dimensional thing. Repentance is turning away from something and turning to something. But that's not the way the Bible presents repentance. And, and I hope this is really freeing for you. Because the Bible does not present a two-staged repentance. Turn away from something, turn to something. That's not repentance. Repentance is simply this. Turn to Christ. I want you to notice that again. It's not turning away from something and then turning to something. It's turning to someone. Now, if you get this, it'll, it'll set you free forever. If you get this, it will remove condemnation from your life. If you get this, it will stop the struggle and the striving in the negative sense. Because if you can see, 
repentance is turning to Christ, still bound by sin, still addicted, still drinking, still smoking, still swearing, still doing all those things that you know you shouldn't do, and you just come to Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Because if you could set yourself free from those things, you don't need Jesus. Repentance is, oh, God. I'm sorry for what I'm doing. I really don't want to do it. I know it breaks your heart. Please help me. That's called grace when he does. He gives you what you don't deserve. And Jeremiah is told by God, enough. Now stop that. Repent. Repent. Why? Because repentance brings restoration. Repentance brings restoration. Notice what God said to him here. If you return, I will restore you. I will restore you. Do you want what you once had? Repent. Turn to Christ. Look full in his wonderful face. Repentance brings restoration. What else does repentance do? Well, there's this word stand. You see, if you do this, if you return to me, I'll restore you and you shall stand. Now, that word stand, he's already defined that in the earlier chapters. And it's, the, and it's in fact, in, in verse 1, I think he uses it as well, isn't it? In, in chapter 15, verse 1, he says, uh, Then the Lord said to me, Though Moses and Samuel were to stand before me or stood before me, You see, to stand before God is a place of intercession. To stand before God is to have a relationship with him where he will listen. To stand before God. God cannot have those who are in rebellion stand before him. But if you repent, you can stand before God. What's he saying? He's he's echoing what the psalmist said in Psalm 68. And, and sorry, Psalm 66 and verse 18, where the psalmist said this, if I had cherished iniquity or sin in my heart, cherished it in my heart. No one knows it's in my heart. He says this, the Lord would not have listened to me. You see, if we're cherishing sin more than we're cherishing God, the Bible says God will not let us stand in his presence. In other words, he won't listen to our prayers. And how many times have we heard people say, well, I tried praying, I prayed, I prayed that my tax lotto numbers would come up, and they didn't, therefore there is no God. (laughs) Amazing, amazing logic. Notice that expression, stand, it's a place of authority. You'll stand. So repentance brings a leadership authority. Now, to, to repent, if, if someone came up to you, one of, the, one of your disciples in this church, and I hope everyone has somebody that you let speak into your life, and, so, and they came up to you and said, hey, I, I think you've gone a bit cold. I, I think you need to repent. What's your immediate response? Don't you tell me what to do. Don't you judge me, fella. Which, by the way, is a judgment in itself you know when jesus said how can you with a log in your own eye pick the speck in your brother's eye notice jesus didn't say there was no speck in other words and and some people say you can't judge me jesus said if you've got a log in your eye you can't judge no jesus didn't say you can't judge he just said make sure you got you haven't got a log in your eye 
You can, you can still point out to people they've got a speck. Just make sure you haven't got a log. So if someone comes up and says, I think you need to repent. I think that I heard the way you spoke to that lady and that's not appropriate. That's not befitting a man of God or a woman of God. That's not language seasoned by grace, it says in Colossians. You need to repent. Now, if you, it, it, to receive that requires one thing. It starts with humility and it ends with humility. And it is humility. Well done. It's humility. It takes humility to be able to acknowledge, yes, you're right, I was wrong to do that. And with humility, which is a part of repentance, comes leadership authority. In 1 Samuel 15 verse 17, it says this, and Samuel speaking to King Saul, when, when you were little in your own sight, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king over Israel. When you were little in your own sight, the Lord anointed you king. With humility comes leadership authority. What else did God tell Jeremiah to do? Here's Jeremiah, the one we, we read in chapter 1. He's called to speak the word of the Lord. He's called to have a heart for God. We, we read in chapter 1 that he saw God. He's seeing things. In chapter 2, he's grown in his relationship with God. And now he's hearing the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to him. Not visions now. He's growing in his relationship with God. And here's Jeremiah told to speak the word of the Lord. And he's just had this tirade against God. And God tells him, secondly, only utter my wise words. Only utter my words. Speak as my mouthpiece. You don't clock off, Jeremiah. You don't go off duty. You are on duty 24-7. How many of us as Christians have what's called a, a war footing? Do you know what a war footing is? I'm reading the, the, uh, the, the story of Bonhoeffer where, and I'm at that point where he's become a double agent. He's now plotting uh, with a group of uh, Nazi generals who recognised that Hitler had to be taken out uh, of the equation. And he's now having to be very, very careful what he says, who he talks to, how he talks, what he does. And as you step back from that and think, we're involved in a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war. How many of us are on a spiritual war footing? In the war, Second World War, they had a saying, loose lips sink ships. A loose word can sink your cause. How much more for the cause of Christ can loose lips sink our cause? If you've got your Bibles, please turn to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 and keep your thumb in Jeremiah, Ephesians 4.29. This has been one of those defining verses for my life. This causes me to take stock of how I speak. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. The way we speak is very, very important. Very important. <laughs> Jeremiah is told by God, utter my words. If you will utter what is precious, 
precious. Does that mean we can't have trivial conversation? Not at all. Of course it doesn't mean that. Jesus had what we might consider trivial conversation. Remember he came up to the two guys on the road to Emmaus and said, what are you talking about? It was just a trivial, how are you going? What's happening? Jesus did that. But Jesus never made a joke at someone's expense, did he? Interesting. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And James 3 verse 6 says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Wow. And Peter says in 1 Peter 3.10, Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So if you want to utter precious words, how are you going to do that? Well, you have to become familiar with God's word, which is why familiarity with God's word, which Jeremiah was, is what qualifies you for God to speak through you. You, you want to be God's spokesman? I do. I, I pray almost, several times a day. I was going to say almost every day. And I thought, of course I pray this every day. God, help me to speak for you. I want to speak your word. And now I've developed certain habits and routines in my life where the first thing I do, literally every morning, no exaggeration, is I, I grab my Bible. My, I, I open up my, my eyes almost. <laughs> and I grab my Bible, first thing I do, and the first thing I do is I read my Bible every day. I want the Word of God in my life. I don't want to rake it, I want to dig it. I don't want it just to be tick that box. I want to apply the Word like soap. The Word is water, and I want to apply it like soap. You, you may have heard the expression soap. Note the scripture you're reading, observe what is happening. Apply what you've just read and pray that you can apply what you've just read. S-O-A-P. You do that with the word, suddenly you're not rushing through it now. You're reading it going, okay, what's happening here? Okay, can I, can, does this apply to my life? Yeah, I think it can apply like this. And I read this passage and this is what I'm doing. And then I'm praying and we're going to be praying at the end about how we can apply this to our lives. Let, become familiar with God's word and you qualify yourself for God speaking through you. John 17, verse 17, Jesus knew that the power of the word, he was the word made flesh, of course. And this written word is the written form of Jesus. You want more of Jesus in your life? You get this into your life. And Jesus said in John 17, verse 17, sanctify them, he said, in the truth. Your word, the Bible, the scriptures is truth. You, you read the word, observe it, Apply it, pray the application. It's becoming a part of you. So this is really important. Verse 20, Jeremiah 15, verse 20. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. Fortified wall. This is an Old Testament expression for faithfulness. To be a fortified wall, to be a strong wall, is to be a picture of faithfulness. It's, a, it's, it's something that protects, it's something that guards something inside. You know, we're in the Song of Solomon where there's these two young lovers betrothed to each other. The young 
vine dressing girl, the girl who worked in the vineyard and her young shepherd lover, the young boy. Uh, and then Solomon comes along one day and kidnaps the girl, takes her into the harem. She tells the other women of the harem, oh, I long for my beloved. And they say, what does he look like? Hmm, strange thing if it's Solomon. And she escapes. Solomon comes back to her hometown, takes her by force and puts her in the, the palace and tells the night watchman if she escapes this time, beat her up. And so she does, they do. Years go by. Solomon's tried every seduction under the planet, under the sun. He's not got through. He lets her go because he can't have his way with her. She returns home. Song of Solomon, chapter 8. Her brothers come out to meet her, knowing that she's betrothed to someone else. And they ask her this question. Have you been a wall? Hmm, not the first question I'd ask my sister, but whatever. And she, have you been a wall or have you been a door? You got the picture? A door. Let Solomon in, cheapened yourself. You, you're not worth being our sister anymore. You betrayed the, the vow that you had to your betrothed. And she says, I've been a wall. Solomon offered me a thousand vineyards and I said, no, I've been a wall. And the last verse of Song of Solomon, chapter 8, make haste, my beloved. And there's her young shepherd, young man now, and they get married. And it's a picture of faithfulness. Have you been a wall? And here, here God says, you remain faithful to me. You repent from this. And this is beautiful. You may have failed God. You may have let God down. You may be in a place now where you know you shouldn't be. But God can restore you. You may feel that the grip that that lifestyle has got on you right now is too strong for you to break. Repent not from that, but repent to the Lord and he will make you a strong wall. He will restore faithfulness into your life. You see, God enables and calls us to be faithful. Here's Jeremiah, God, I want to be successful. And God says, I'm not calling you to be successful. I'm calling you to be faithful. And the, the scriptures are replete with, with this, this sentiment that God is with us to enable us to be faithful. The Great Commission, lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. We read also in uh, uh, Revelation chapter 2, Uh, Well, Revelation chapter 1, Jesus is called the faithful witness and he writes uh, about one of his servants called Antipas, who he calls my faithful servant. Was Antipas successful? No, not in the worldly sense because Antipas was publicly butchered in the town square because he followed Christ. And Jesus says of him, he was faithful. Does being faithful mean you'll have to die for Christ? It might. It might. Be faithful. God will not only call you to be faithful, he will enable you to be faithful. You see the text there, I will make you. We're in verse 20. I will make you. God will do it. God will put into you what you didn't think could be put there. And verse 21, the closing verse. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. And if we're to jump ahead in the story, I can tell you that God did just that. Jeremiah was preserved. God honoured his word. And we pick it up next week. It's like, as I read the next chapter, I think, man, 
Jeremiah should have saved his complaint till after chapter 16. Man, anyway, but we're jumping ahead. Don't look ahead, don't look ahead, don't look ahead. Now, so what do we see in this passage? We see that faithfulness to God alleviates fear and fosters security. We, we read in, in Acts chapter 18, verse 9, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid. So what was he? Afraid. <laughs> Otherwise, do not be afraid doesn't make sense. And, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Verse 10 in Acts 18, For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. Wow. Wow. So if you know you're serving Christ, it should alleviate your fear. God's in control. God has his way. So God still calls people to faithfully witness. Why does God entrust the the eternal destiny of people to people like us? I don't know. I wouldn't. But he has. He has. And so what do we do? He calls Jeremiah to keep preaching, utter precious words. He calls Jeremiah to stand in my presence. We should pray in God's presence as well. You realise this life right now is training ground for the life to come? You know, in the life to come, we will worship God with singing. Can you imagine what the singing in heaven is like? Or whatever it's like, we need to start practicing now, and we can. Isn't that awesome? Just that's why we sing. We sing because in heaven we're going to sing like, wow. So let's practice now. In heaven, ultimately, where we're going to be with God, we will learn. We will learn. We'll continue to learn in heaven. So we practice now, learning. We can do that right now in this life. In heaven, we'll serve. We'll serve God. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We serve God. We'll serve God in heaven. So let's practice now. Let's practice serving now. Because this is what God is fitting us for. But you know, there's two things we cannot do in heaven that we can only do in this life. And if we don't do them, shame on me and shame on us. Two things we can't do in heaven that we can only do now. One is give. You can't give a cent in heaven to spread the gospel. Secondly, Witness, evangelize, share the gospel. Imagine going up to someone in heaven going, hey, have you heard about Jesus? See, some people are on a very low part of the learning curve if that happens, you know. You can't do it in heaven, but you can do it in this life. And, and I hope that you make it your life mission to win one and grow one, to win a soul and to help that soul grow. Revelation 1.5, Jesus is called the faithful witness. Revelation 2.13, Antipas is called a faithful witness, even though he paid a high price for it. So why does God entrust why did God entrust to Jeremiah this word? Because God works through people. It's how He has ordained His word to work. Why does He do it with us? Because it's how He has ordained for people to be reached. He uses people to reach people. So Bring it to a close. When you've got a complaint against God, Jeremiah complained and he heard immediately from God. When we complain about serving God, it's all too hard. I don't want to. 
What's that, Lord? Sleep in on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> Whatever it is. We may well hear God respond too. And what if we hear God respond the same way as Jeremiah heard him? Repent. Stop talking like that and repent. So how does the God of the New Testament respond to complaining? He says in John 14 verse 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust God. Trust me. And if we can trust Jesus in the midst of what looks like failure and realize that he doesn't call us to success, he calls us to faithfulness. You'll never know what he has in mind, but let's trust him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us to learn the lessons that we see here in Jeremiah, that although it was tough for him, although he had much to complain about, Lord, you had entrusted to him a sacred mission, a mission of reaching people. Now, here's my appeal while we're in an attitude of prayer. Maybe you're here today and you know you are not in a place where you should be with God. You know that you need to, and please hear me, And not only hear me, hear my heart as I say this. You know you need to repent. You know that you're half turned away from Christ. Maybe not even fully turned away. But now it's time to look full in his wonderful face. Come back to Christ and acknowledge you need him. It takes humility to do it. I need you, Jesus. I'm not committed to your cause like I should be. Jesus, I'm not committed to your word like I should be. I've lost my passion. I've lost my zeal. I'm not serving you like I should be. I've been complaining. I've been grumbling. I've been critical. I've been nitpicky. I've lost sight of what life and ministry and church and this is all about. I thought it was about me. And oh God, I'm sorry. Please restore me and help me to be faithful to you. Fill my heart with a fresh passion for the lost, a passion for your word, a passion for your cause, a love for your church, I pray. But you may be here and you may be listening to me right now and this is all pretty new to you. All you know is you want to know God and you want to know that when you die and leave this planet, that you're going to stand before him and be welcomed. You're going to be accepted into heaven forever. If that's you, You just simply need to repent, turn to Christ. He has paid the penalty that you deserve. He now extends to you the offer of forgiveness. Will you receive it? He won't force it upon you. That's not love. He offers it to you freely. And if you freely receive it, you can know that your sins are forgiven and that you're born again. You've got a brand new start. If that's you, It begins perhaps with a prayer like this. Oh God, please forgive me for what I've done. Help me now to live for you. I want to be your child. Help me to live like your child. Amen. So is that what you expected to hear from God in response to a whinge? Hmm, Perhaps not. More from Dr. Corbett next week. 
Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah Part 39, How God Responds to Complaining, are available by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277, or via the website findingtruthmatters.org. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.